Welcome to the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nedling. You are about to discover impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you, so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Be sure you visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com. While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now tune in, get ready, and enjoy the journey of emerging as a leader of exception in the 21st century. Welcome everyone to the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast. I'm your host, Vicki Nethling, coming to you from Roswell, Georgia. The goal of this podcast is to bring topics and guests that will empower you to become that confident leader and take your business and your life to the next level. Today, I have with me Ben Baker, and let me tell you a little bit about Ben. Ben has been helping companies and the people within them understand, codify, and communicate their unique value to others for more than a quarter of a century. He is the president of Your Brand Marketing, an employee engagement consultancy, specializing in helping companies communicate more effectively inside their organizations. He mm-hmm. is the author of two books, Powerful Personal Brands, A Hands-On Guide to Understanding Yours, and Leading Beyond a Crisis, A Conversation About What's Next, and the host of iHeart and Spotify's syndicated Your Living Brand. Live show with more than 300 episodes behind him. Today, I thought we'd venture in that pool of water that everybody tries to not go into, and that is brand storytelling and how important both of those things are to your business. Please join me in welcoming my guest, Ben Baker. Hey, Ben. Vicki, thank you for having me on the show. I am excited about this. We had a great conversation offline. I can't wait to take this on the mic and see how we can uh, make things better for your uh, for your listeners. Awesome. So I always start out with a very easy question. You don't have to study or anything for this. Where, oh, worried. Where do you live? Where do you call home? You know what? I'm above the 49th parallel. I live in this small little city called Vancouver, BC, You know, ah. 2010 Olympics right on the West coast. And uh, I'm I'm originally from Minneapolis, but I've lived around the world, but Vancouver has always been home. Yeah. I got to go to a Toastmaster convention in Vancouver and enjoyed myself immensely. Definitely want to go back there and, uh, and go over to Victoria. (laughs) That's where my alma mater is. I went to, I went to the university. I saw that. I saw that. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So, Let's, we gave you, the audience, just a little brief intro as to who you are from a professional basis, but I always like to kind of ask for that backstory of, you know, what has this journey been like? You didn't come out of the womb being an entrepreneur doing brand marketing. So talk, take us on that journey of what it was like, you know, from the college days that led you to where you are today. Well, the surprising thing is I almost did come out of the womb as an entrepreneur. <laughs> I mean, my dad was always an entrepreneur. My dad, oh. you know, is, you know, had two unsuccessful businesses and one wildly successful business as, as the story goes. Mm-hmm. And thank God this, the wildly successful business was the last one. <laughs> uh, but I, 
learned from, from the time I was seven, eight, nine years old, what entrepreneurship was mm -hmm. and got to be part of it, you know, because I was one of those kids that was expected to stay at the dinner table, that was expected to learn, you know, what was going on and 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 what things were about. And my best friend's father was was also an entrepreneur. Uh, so, you know, from a very early age, entrepreneurship was something that I always knew that I loved, something that I always saw the benefit of, and I, something that I always knew I was going to do sooner or later. Mm -hmm. um, my university degree has absolutely nothing to do <laughs> with with what, what I do. My degree is in international relations. I spent a year at the Hebrew University of Jerusalem doing international politics and Middle Eastern terrorism. So... You know, I have a little bit of an understanding of what goes on in the Middle East these days. Yeah. Uh, you know, I spent the first, the four years at, at uh, the University of Victoria running mainframe. So I, I I did mainframe computer. I was involved in listservs and, and Fortran and all sorts of things. I was in the high tech, uh, high tech sales for a number of years, but I finally got into, um, communication and marketing about the time I got married, because when I was about the time I got married, I was literally the guy in the air 200 plus days a year. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was George Clooney, you know, mm -hmm. it was my job to sit there and say, okay, there's a problem in Phoenix. Guess what? You're heading to Phoenix this morning. And I loved it until we got married. And, you know, about a year into doing this, this is a divorce waiting to happen. Yeah. And so I went up to my boss and I said, hey, listen, double my salary to pay for the divorce or cut my travel days in half. He says, well, we're not willing to do either. Why don't we buy you out? I said, mm -hmm. done. He says, what do you mean? I says, now it's just, now it's just details. And we hashed it out and came mm -hmm. up with a settlement that worked for both of us. And I walked out the door and walked onto the golf course for about six months <laughs> and met a guy in the direct mail business. Yeah. Went to go work for him and the world just fell, you know, into my lap. Nice. You know, when you were talking about the early days and having sitting around the table, maybe uh, with your family and so many people whose their lives aren't as entrepreneurs, you know, for me, for 40 years, I was in the regular corporate spin. And in, and a lot of times your parents didn't talk about business that, you know, a lot of kids don't even know what the heck their their dads or moms do. But I know that when I talk to people that have been from families of entrepreneurs, they, it's like a training ground for you almost that the parents share things because they know how important it is to understand these things and how you, you really can be successful. Oh yeah. I learned how to drive a forklift at nine years old. <laughs> you know, I was pulling stuff off, you know, third story of the, of the, uh, the racks at, at nine years old. Yeah. You know, so I was expected to work, you know, I was yeah. expected that, that, you know, it was weekends. It was after school. But, uh, you know, I was, certainly wasn't, you know, given full-time work, but from the nine, time I was 9, 10, 11 years old, you know, my I was put to work like everybody else was. Yeah, yeah, but great. But, and look look how it has helped you, right? Exactly. I didn't turn out too badly. <laughs> so I read on your website, you say you believe that storytelling is not a trend. 
it is a way to engage audiences of all types now and into the future. And I am right there with you on that one. So please elaborate for the audience about why you are so passionate about this. When we tell somebody something, they forget it. Yeah. They don't pay attention. Think of it, I, I tell people, think of it like a billboard at the side of the highway. Mm-hmm. How many times do you rush past that billboard and never see it, let alone are cognizant about what's actually on that billboard until one day you are. And one day, for some reason, you look right instead of left, you're stopped, you know, in traffic, you know, somebody pulls out in front of you and you have to jam on the brakes and you look up, whatever it is, all of a sudden you pay attention to it Mm -hmm. because you're ready. And stories enable you to tell something over and over again until somebody's actually ready to listen in a way that's relevant for them. And a story enables you to use different analogies, different references, different tone of voice, different cadence, different Mm -hmm. length of story to be able to make the thing relevant to the audience that's in front of you. You know, you don't tell the same story to an engineer that you do to a CEO. Yeah. The engineers want all the hay in the barn. They want they want the graphs. They want the you know the backup. They want the the data <laughs> sheets. They want everything with it, and they they need to know it all. And that's great. The CEO wants to sit there and say, okay, what is this going to do for us? What's the What's the risk involved, and how much pain is this going to cause our organization to get from where we are to where we need to be? Mm-hmm. And you're going to tell a different story to different people to be able to get them to listen to it understand it, internalize it, recall it, and retell it. Yeah. You have to touch that emotional cord too. Absolutely. They have to feel the pain. And and as you say, the pain is going to be different for the different audiences. And we have to understand how do we tell the story from their point of view? You're not the hero of the story. They are. Yeah. How do you how do you make them the hero of the story? How do you get them to sit there and say, "I want to go on this journey with you." I'm I'm grabbing my lance, I'm gr- grabbing my sword, I'm mounting my seed, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go right off to the sunset, right beside you on this one. Yeah, and it, you can only do that when people can sit there and say, "I see how it benefits me." Yeah. I see how I'm going to be the hero of this, how this gets me from where I am to where I want to be. Yeah. And that's that's a powerful thing and it's 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 something that takes a lot of skill, a lot of patience, a lot of listening, a lot of empathy and being able to sit there and say do I have this person's attention? And if not, why? Yeah. Yeah. So good. I remember I I was on on a project team where we were trying to to get something from our clients and they were a very large clients but it was going to take work on their part and for us to go and just say hey you have to do this for us they're going to say okay well there's my list <laughs> and it isn't on my list so we spent time just asking them questions telling about where they are in their business and their technology and things like that, because it was a technology need that we needed. And then we spent time just telling them about what we've done and how we've done things. And then I just showed them a seven minute video and it 
did everything I needed to do in just that seven minutes because mm-hmm. all of the things that they spent an hour telling me ex- describe their pain and their needs. And this seven minute video made them say, oh my God, that's not my packages. <laughs> and from there, they would do anything I wanted. And it was the power of story that really did it. And and this, you know, people forget that. They just give you slides and facts and figures and they don't touch you where the pain is or where that emotion is. So Yeah, I tell people I tell people in the room, this is where does it hurt? Yeah. Where does it hurt? And how can I how can I fix your boo-boo? <laughs> and I, you know, and you laugh, but the, I've had CEOs break out in, in laughter about that. Yeah, I go, is it the is the boo boo here? It, it is okay, great, we'll fix that. Mm-hmm. And it's it's understanding when do you need to be serious? Mm-hmm. When do you need where do you need some levity? When do you need to, you know, when do you need to lean in? When do you need to lean back? Mm-hmm. And it's not just the words coming out of your mouth storytelling is a five sense you know, mm-hmm. activity because people are listening with five senses. You need to be able to use all five senses. You need to be able to get them to be able to hear, to see, to feel, to yeah. touch and to and be able to sit there and say, okay, they understand me. They're not pitching this person to someone. They're mm-hmm. pitching it to me. Yeah. And they've taken my needs into consideration. And that's what a great story does. Absolutely. Absolutely. You are speaking my language, Mr. Ben. There we go. <laughs> so what are some of the common traits that you find of clients that come to you that really need your help? You know, things you see over and over again. I think that a lot of people, the first word I hear from people is we're stuck. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we, we're stuck or we're going backwards. And, you know, we deal a lot with internal communication mm-hmm. and they could be having a revolving door at, at, at the HR in the HR department. They, you know, the tenure of people is, is just abysmal. Mm-hmm. Um, they can't get alignment amongst their executives. They're, they're sitting there. It says the, the, the Oklahoma office just doesn't understand what we need from them. You know, we're trying, we want to get from 20 to $40 million, but we just can't get over that hump. There's Mm -hmm. a million different things that people come to me for because a story is about solving problems. Mm -hmm. It's it's not telling a story for a story's sake. You tell a story because it helps to solve a problem. It helps people get from A to B to C to D to Q and be able to enable people to cross those bridges and crosses across those chasms. And we all have our own chasm within our company, whether you're a company of one person or you're a company of 10,000 or 50,000, and they're going to be different. And people come to me when they, when they just, they're stuck. And, And more than anything, they're, they're just stuck and they don't know where the next step is to go. And you know, we tend to go beyond the story. We, we, you know, because I have 30 plus years in business, mm-hmm. I understand corporations. I under, I understand process. I understand procedure. I understand people because it's all interrelated. It's, they don't operate in silos. Yeah. 
And we need to understand that our companies are not segmented silos. It's a group of human beings that interact and engage. And when they're not engaging and when they're not interacting and when they're not listening to each other, that's when we get stuck. Yeah. And my job is to unstick them. Yeah. You always have um, like IT versus marketing or... (laughs) And everybody knows best because Mm -hmm. it's not that they don't, listen it's just the fact that they feel that their agenda is more important than everybody else's because this is what they've been tasked with right you know it has been tasked with this because they've been tasked with this that's obviously the most important thing yeah marketing has been tasked with this so obviously that's the most important thing sales operations finance you name it Mm -hmm. they've all been given a certain task so they assume and they build their their budgets and their processes, their procedures and their communication around what we do is the most important thing in the company. And it's not, Mm -hmm. it's how all those things interact and interact and how all those things help take care of the customer. Yeah. That's what matters. Yeah. And we forget that as organizations. Yeah, that is true. Especially if you're driven by wall street and you take your, your eye off of the the real thing, which is the customer. Yes. And then the question is, if you're driven by Wall Street, is your is your uh, customer the people that you're selling goods and services to? Or is it the people that are buying stocks? Yeah. And you need to make that decision because you're going to run your company completely differently mm-hmm. depending on what you believe your most important customer is. So what are some ways we might fall or be failing in the internal communication, you know, in those various groups you just discussed? I think we don't listen to each other. (laughs) And I, I, and I'm going to, and I'm going to look at it on a societal thing as much as a company thing. That's true. We tend in a lot of cases feel that it's more important to prove somebody else wrong than for us to be right. And we need to get away from that. Yeah. You know, as organizations, as human beings, as governments, as whoever, we tend to just sit there and say, as long as they're miserable, I'm happy. <laughs> as long as long as they don't get what they want, I basically succeeded. Mm. And, you know, it's 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 not enough for me to get what I want. I need to get what I want. And I also need to, somebody else to fail. And we need to move beyond it. And that's a cultural fix. Yeah, That's a cultural fix. And that's that's a big part of what we do with communication is a lot of cultural things. It's a lot of belonging. It's a lot of purpose. It's a lot of mission and vision. And getting people to believe that no one department is more important than the other. And, you know, quite honestly, budgets throw that into things, uh, you know, the assignments people get, mm-hmm. how close you sit to the CEO at the boardroom table has has a lot to do with that. Who's who's the first person that's always listened to in a conversation? Which departments are, are neglected and which departments actually get, you know, you know get, mm-hmm. get the ear of the, of the president or the CEO? All those things lead to how other people see you. Yeah. And, you know, whether you're the redheaded stepchild or whether you're the golden child. Mm -hmm. And once we can break that down and sit there and say, listen, all departments, if all departments are not functioning together, 
then we're not making as much money as we should. Yeah. And we're not serving our customers as well as we should. And we're not elevating our brand as well as we should. And yeah. that takes a lot of effort. I, I was just going to say, and cultural change is not an, an overnight thing. You know, it's a longer process. Can't be one and done. No. And that's the thing is a lot of customers say, says, well, how long is this going to take? <laughs> yeah. And I go, I don't know. Yeah. I could fix you in a week or I could fix you in five years. Yeah. Get a figure you know, it, it, A lot of it comes down to you. Mm. And yeah. they said, well, can you fix my people? I go, no, you're part of your people. <laughs> you as a CEO. See, that's the thing is leaders always assume it's somebody else's problem. Yeah. And, you know, whether dealing with middle management, wherever, it says, can you fix my team? I go, well, you're part of that team. Yeah. And if you're not part of the solution, you are the problem. Yeah. That's a great point. Everybody should be listening to that because it is so very true. Trust me. 40 years, I know. <laughs> okay. So as a project manager, I had uh, found that there were a hurdle of many business process owners struggled with, with change management. Mm -hmm. And so I'd like for you to share a bit about your client onboarding and alignment methodology for change management. Sure. I mean, there's, there's a lot of things with change management. I mean, change management is about getting people to understand what the promised land is, yeah. because the problem is too many people focus on the plan and not on the goal. Mm. And they focus on the plan. And as soon as the plan gets a hiccup, people say, oh, they throw up their, obviously this didn't work. We'll go back to ground zero. Well, no, if you focus on the goal, what are we trying to achieve? Why are we trying to achieve it? What can we do then that we can't do now? How is this going to benefit people both individually and as a corporation? What happens if we don't achieve the goal? And what are, what are the ramifications of that? Mm -hmm. If we understand that, and then we build plans to sit there re to reach the goal. If all of a sudden the plan fails, because guess what? We got punched in the mouth. Mm -hmm. We just sit there and say, okay, that plan doesn't work. Now let's go to plan B. All right, now let's go to plan C. We're still focused on the goal. We're still exactly. fo focused on where we need to be. We're not focused on the plan. Yeah. And I think that's that that's important. When, when I'm building a change management you know, plan for people, when I'm, when I'm first getting people involved with change management, it's about sitting there going, what are we truly trying to do? Is it going like back what? to that story? Exactly. Where do we want to be? Why do we want to be there? Like, seriously, why are you, why do you want to go through this much pain and aggravation? I tell a great story. My dad was in the commercial renovation business. He used to make enormous messes of 40,000 and 60,000 square foot stores, like tear them apart, rebuild them. And he, he would come up to the team, you know, cause he'd have 600 employees in, in one of these mm -hmm. stores at any given time. And he said, look, I've been working for, for your parent company for 20 years. I'm going to tell you what I tell everybody else. We're going to make a great big mess. Mm -hmm. And you're somewhere during this thing, you're going to hate us. But I'll tell you something. At the end, 
we're going to work hard together. We're going to do a lot of late nights. We're going to you know, get frustrated together, but we're going to have a brand new gorgeous store at the end that both you and your customers are going to be really proud to walk into and be part of. Who's with me? Yeah. And when you when you create that, all of a sudden you bring everybody together. You you build a sense of belonging. It's everybody against a single problem instead of everybody against each other. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think that's where we need that's where we need to start. Mm -hmm. That's where we need to start this whole process because when we do, all of a sudden the problems don't become so insurmountable. Right. And it, and it really, you know, if we go back to you're trying to improve your brand to make sure that it meets the ever-changing customer needs. And sometimes you do have to tear everything down and start fresh. Sometimes you need to tear a brand down to, to, yeah, to, yeah. to do that. I mean, I've got... 30 years of brand experience about me. I mean, your brand is not your avatar. It's not, it's not the logo. If people are looking at, at this on a video, it's, it's not the left, the, the thing that's to the left of me. That's just a reminder of what my brand is. Yeah. My brand is what people say about me when I'm not in the room. Thank yeah. you, Jeff Bezos. You know, that that's a Jeff Bezos quote. It's your, your brand is only as valuable as your unhappiest employee on their worst day. Oh, that's good. That's one of my favorites. That is good. Well, this has been really great time has flown by. I think I'm going to squeeze in a couple more questions. Sure. You, you and I both do podcasting and I love podcasting. I think it's the best networking in the world because I get so much quality time with awesome people like you. Mm -hmm. but, well, how has podcasting helped you in your business? 30 years now that you've been doing this yeah i've been podcasting for 30 years i'm sorry for 11 years now mm -hmm. uh, i've been at, at this for a little while i have met some of the most incredible people you know i've been i've been blessed to have some fairly large names on my show and what i've done is i learned from them each and every mm -hmm. single one of them each and every single one of them teaches me something during the 35 or 45 minutes i spend with them and for me, that's gold. Yeah. Number two, thankfully, I have very loyal listeners who email me and ask me questions mm. and, you know, say, hey, what about this? Or what about that? Or what about the other? And it's led to some really great business associations. Wow. And I've also had people that said, listen, I've been listening to your show for three years We've just broken off our relationship with our, our with our long term supplier. I'd really like you to come in and have a conversation with us. Now, can I tell you that that's happened more than five times in 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 eleven years? No, but those experiences have been large and protracted and been meaty clients yeah. that I didn't have to sell a thing to. Yeah. They, they already they already knew like and trusted me that the, yeah. there was there was no selling there was and there was there was no discounts there was there was no bargain <laughs> basement and they paid me on time and they already understood from listening to me what I put up with what I didn't how I worked what type of questions I asked how you know how how I treated my clients mm. 
And it enabled me to build those shortcuts to have the better relationships with the clients I have. Awesome. So much good advice you're giving these folks here. It's great. If you all have enjoyed this as much as I have, and you want to do just as he just said, get in contact with him. I have a slide as always for you to be able to take a screenshot. If you are just listening, you know the drill. You should have had a paper and pencil from the very beginning taking notes. But if not, you can go to my YouTube channel and subscribe or go to findyourleadershipconfidence.com and get all this information. If you have any questions, you want to get in touch with me anytime, go through yourbrandmarketing.com. Awesome. All my free eBooks are there. Links to my podcasts are there. All my thought leadership pieces are there. My consulting pages, all of our services are there. And it links to our LinkedIn, it links to our Twitter, it links to my YouTube page. Perfect. So everything is just sitting there at yourbrandmarketing.com. Perfect. You just saved me from that. That gave you some time to get that screenshot. If not, you need to do so right now. Well, Ben, it has been just a pleasure chatting with you. I'm sure that I'll have you back and we can talk about some other things, maybe leadership for a little bit. Uh, Absolutely. Have a great conversation about leadership, another area I love chatting about. So again, everyone, um, if you have not done, you have you see right there, his website is right on the screen for you, yourbrandmarketing.com. As always, I remind everyone that life is a journey and it's up to you to enjoy the ride. This is Vicki Nettling signing off. Thank you for tuning into the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nettling, where we share impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Remember to visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast.